welcome to episode 24 Crow 777 radio podcast. Um, this is a really good episode. I had uh, Jason Lindgren uh, from Secrets of Saturn YouTube channel come back again. Uh, he's such a great kind of counterpart to having a good discussion on the topics that matter. A lot of what we talk about in this first hour is um, the age of deception, and we open up right out of the gate with the illegitimacy of kings, queens, and governments, and we use logic to make a factual kind of based case for the illegitimacy of these organizations. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk a minute about a thing I've recognized uh, going on with media manipulation, and in this case, TV shows and movies. I've noticed a real trend in using what happened in the 70s and 80s uh, as memory, or how, how can I put this, as a kind of fond memory manipulation of people. Currently, there's a show, and for the life of me, I have no idea how it's gone. I don't know how many seasons it's gone. A few, um, where I took some time to watch two episodes, which I normally would not do. Uh, it's a show called The Goldbergs, which portrays a Jewish family. But the whole kind of underpinnings of this show is simply manipulating people's fond memories of the 80s. And the only reason I bring this up is because I recently saw the new Star Wars movie, which was released as 9-11 rolled into the day of 9-11 in England. Here in America, uh, at 9 p.m. in the evening, they released on every, I believe it was every Stars channel. In other words, there's five or six Stars channels, something like that. Each one of them ran the same movie uh, that night at 9 o'clock. In other words, they wanted people to see it. But when I watched it, And I'm not doing a critique of whether this was a good movie or not. I'm simply pointing out that it was a wholesale manipulation of the fond memories and nostalgia people had for the old Star Wars that came out in 77 up into whatever the the oldest three movies are. Maybe the late 80s. I don't know. I don't remember. But I think the first one came out in 77. Uh, In as much as as I started to watch it, it was literally the same storyline. Droid has a little thing, Um, you know, they got to go meet the girl, and ultimately they blow up the Death Star. Um, I mean, the whole storyline was almost verbatim what we've seen, and I think they've already blown the Death Star up twice. Of course, this Death Star was bigger. But it's a real trend that I see, particularly with nostalgia for the 80s, which means it is aimed at people who were old enough in the 80s to have nostalgia for that time. And it's a real manipulation. As a matter of fact, I even saw a South Park. I don't remember when it was, but they were making fun of society by being manipulated by, what were they called, uh, memory berries, I think it was. An episode where people were eating memory berries and being manipulated uh, for the nostalgia of a past time where nothing of substance other than nostalgia is being delivered Um, And I just thought I would bring that up because I think it's a a key thing that people recognize when this type of manipulation is going on. Um, But anyhow, let's jump into this episode. Uh, It is a really good episode. And as is always true, Jason Lindgren just nails it as the guy across the table from me. He's just such a great speaker and uh, keeps the conversation going. And in this case, as I have asked in the past, he brought all these topics which people are concerned and talking about now and 
not all of them are brand new topics, but they're certainly topical to the time we are traveling at this moment. So let's jump into episode 24. Oh, sorry, and I should have mentioned, typically I break down what's going on in the second hour, but I will tell you, we come back in the second hour right out of the gate talking about the Vatican and uh, why the Vatican has all these telescopes all over. As a matter of fact, I've had people posting uh, on my channel recently that the Vatican has its hands in a lot more telescopes than the average person is aware of. I haven't looked at it, but everyone's familiar with one of the Vatican telescopes being named Lucifer, but that's where we jump in in the second hour, and the second hour is every bit as good as the first hour, and anyone who takes the time to listen will see it's a pretty good first hour. So I hope to see you over at Crow 777 Radio for the second hour. There it is. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to episode, I think we are up to 24, using the corrupted numerical system we have all inherited. Uh, today, I've got Jason Lindgring back. Uh, you all may remember, he runs a YouTube channel called Secrets of Saturn. Uh, I always get it confused with his band, which is Cult of Saturn. Um, you guys should check out Jason's uh, YouTube channel. I think he may be running the first half of this. As is uh, usual, I may append an intro into the beginning of this, but uh, Jason's going to be running the show again, and we're going to be covering topics uh, that are on the minds of a lot of people. Typically, I have not been scheduling shows for a typical, you know, for the same day every time, uh, though I do do four shows a month. I may be changing that at some point near the future. I'm going to be doing a rebuild on the website, crow777radio.com. Uh, it's finally going to have a real forum, uh, way to, you know, put stars on episodes, rate them, things like this. It'll be a much better interface. And I'm also going to redo the forum for international people uh, because I guess it's been a problem. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. Hey, man. Always great to be here with you. Cool, man. I guess you spent yesterday in uh, in uh, New Orleans. I did. I met some uh, really interesting people that I've been speaking to online who are really digging into this kind of information. Uh, it was actually a couple of girls. And we uh, saw a few of the sites down on Magazine Street and had about a four-hour conversation. It was really cool. You know, that's really cool. There there was a point, uh, well, as far as the corrupted analytics from YouTube will give us, but there were points uh, when female viewership on my channel had come close to 45%, but uh, before that it was down around, I don't know, 8 or 13%, and now even it's just down so much. So uh, I always am interested in trying to get uh, what's called a demographic for the females um, higher in this conversation. They bring balance to the kind of testosterone-driven, male-dominated, you know, side of things that we see. So that's that's good to see that you're doing that. No, it's great. There's three of them that are really good friends, and um, I met one of them, and she introduced me to the other two, and I was like, wow, this is great, because you're right, it's almost all guys, you know, like it, this whole uh, movement is always been very predominantly male driven and um yeah it was really cool all right man well we've got quite a list that you put together of topics that are uh you know topical to now uh, and topics that are are popular now even if they're not brand new topics so uh, i'm going to kick it over to you let's go ahead and jump in all right well first of all let's recap with uh, your last episode which i thought was fantastic um with the legitimacy of rulers and all the Masonic passwords you got into and all that. Uh, let's go over that since not everyone may have caught your second hour and uh, see if you have anything you want to add into that. 
Okay, cool. Um, for those who may not have caught the second hour, um, there is a point where uh, the Masonic text that's being referenced that was one of two of the highest Masonic texts that we are told made it into uh, England in the 1800s. I dropped the biggest secret, which is that kings or the top three people who were privy to this information, uh, what was it, the Duke of Sussex, a guy named Carlisle, and I assume the king, uh, was who was being referenced, are taught this information where all lower people within their own organization are taught what I guess is supposed to be lies because they're basically told that all religions of this world are encoding something else and that the literative form that's being taught everyone is not correct. Um, and this got me thinking. Uh, also, actually, also in the second hour, I dropped the passwords according to this text that were derived from the INRI or NRI on top of Christ's crucifixion cross. And this had to do with uh, the ancient idea of elements being earth, wind, fire, you know, that kind of thing. There are four of them. And uh, the archangels that are presided over these areas, uh, that, that's all in the second hour. But to get back to it, it, I got to thinking after I had done the episode about a pretty no-nonsense thing that we can all think about. If we were to consider if being deceptive and lying is a legitimate thing, most of us would come to the conclusion that it's not legitimate. And if we take this a step further, and, and let me preface this, we have to set aside the idea of altruism and all these other isms that get labeled. And the reason things get labeled, it's so the information can be controlled. Um, and as much as I can as a human being, I try to set these things aside like what is altruistic and these ideas that kind of generalize. So if we get back to the idea of whether or not lying from people who are in charge and being deceptive from people who are charged, is that legitimate? Is that an okay way to do things? And I think if we logically consider this, we can most of us agree that this is not a legitimate way to do things. And if the majority of us agree that this is a true thing, what it basically means is that the rulers, the kings, the governments that use this have no legitimacy. If we take it back to the religious ideas that were being put forward in my last episode on Crow 777 Radio, um, we have to come to the conclusion uh, like, as an example, the idea that the Catholic Church puts forward of why St. Peter is legitimately in charge, and they go to great lengths to tie him to Christ, to give him legitimacy to be, legitimacy to be the ruler of that place. If we look at all the places where rulers work very, diff, you know, very hard to demonstrate there's a legitimate reason they are in power, I think we can undermine that. I think we can gem demonstrate flat out that someone who legitimately rules or has legitimate power has no need to be deceptive or to lie. And when we look at what's going on, all we see is deceptive rulers, deceptive governments, and lie after lie after lie put together in a way that will allow them to hold power. And what that means in, in my book, logically breaking it down, is that there is absolutely zero legitimacy in kings, queens, or governments that use these methods to rule. Well, from the research I've done, I definitely agree with you on that. How far back do you think that goes? You know, this is a real catch-22, because when we try to look back through history, we keep coming to the same old game of, like, entertainment. 
where there's an actor and this actor is going to play all these roles, grab a different name, grab a different persona, put on a different costume. Um, this is what a lot of history appears to be. And so, you know, we get to a point where we're desperately saying what is a real portion of history we can latch on to. And I've said it many times, you know, maybe some lucky people have a great grandparent that can add some firsthand experience. But for the most part, we're stuck with this information. And when we begin to break it down, uh, it falls apart. So I, I'm not really sure how to go with that. Um, it's almost like the deception from our rulers is so all encompassing. We can't even accept much of history. Right. And that's something I've, I've been uh, hearing a lot about, that history has been so altered and what they put out is just so jumbled in their favor that we don't actually know what really happened going back hundreds of years and, and even thousands of years. That's right. And so the, the real problem becomes is when we tackle the big things, like in the modern age, it's 9-11. Um, and if we look back to like World War II, there are people out there right now demonstrating that wars are a racket. We have corporations and high-born people, for lack of a better term, who say owned the steel companies or all steel production. And during these wars, it's demonstrated they're selling steel to both sides. Well, how in the hell can a war have any reality in the way it's been explained to us if there are corporate entities supplying both sides when the average person in a country even picks up a phone to call the country of the side they're opposing, they're a war criminal or they're whatever. That can't be done. But yet at the corporate level, perfectly okay to play both sides of the coin. And this demonstrates even something as all-encompassing as war is not going down in the way it's been explained to us. Right. And, and this isn't even conspiracy theory. This is this is mainstream history you can look up. That's right. And that, uh, you know, the banks were doing just whatever they want to do. It was That's business right. as usual. Uh, Ford was making cars that the Nazis were using, for example, in World War II. Um, there's huge amounts of evidence of Prescott Bush, who was the grandfather, H.W.'s uh, father and W.'s grandfather, that he almost got uh, put on trial for treason for dealing with the enemy. And uh, I mean, the, the, the IBM with the computers, it's just, it's insane Like that what these people do. It's like it, the war itself doesn't matter to them. It's all profiteering. That's right. It shows the fraud. You see, like when I was in the Marine Corps and the first Gulf War broke out and it looked like we were going to go and friends of mine had already went, I began to consider, could I look down the barrel of an M16 and blow away some guy in the Middle East just because my government said he was the enemy. And I had come to the conclusion that, no, man, that's my karma, for lack of a better word. The cause and effect that I will inherit from doing such an act was more than I was willing to accept. And at the time, I was much younger. I was in my 20s, and it, it I wrestled with it. I thought, well, I'm not a good American. I'm not a good person. You know, I'm, I'm a treasonous person to even consider these things. Yet I knew in my heart that there was no way in hell that if my life was not directly threatened that I would even consider doing these acts. And what we see is just what we were talking about at the opening. These people who are in charge, these rulers have what they are projecting as this huge issue with another country. And yet us, we the people, are expected to go out and kill or you know do any number of things. And what it really comes down to when you begin to examine it, it's fraud. Um, first of all, the war has not been described to you properly. Secondarily, there are people at a level of culture who are above 
where all the soldiers and all the rest of us reside. They can sell their products to either side. They can bank. As a matter of fact, we know for without, you know, even having to consider very hard that banking is universal. So how can it be that if there is truly a problem with this country and that country, why don't the banks just cut off the funds to the country that's, you know, being opposed? And, you know, maybe in the modern age, this has more of a there there because maybe banking wasn't all encompassing as it was. But for the most part, what we see is fraud being pushed whenever there's any kind of a conflict that we call war. Right. And there's really two aspects to that. There, there's the actual financial banking part of it. And then there's the oil because you cannot have a war without something to run your machines. So if wars truly wanted to be stopped, uh, the banks could say, well, we're just not going to allow business to continue. And the oil companies, which are all tied in with the banking companies, would just be like, sure, but you don't have any gas to run your tanks. That's right. And and not, not only that, you know, that, that gets into this whole other idea of like this global warming nonsense, uh, which I believe is going to be leveraged to legitimize uh, chemtrail and weather manipulation. Um, if we are constantly told we are the problem, we've got to do all these things because we are trashing the environment, which I mean, of course, human beings trash environments, what we do. Um, but to get back to it, how can the ownness be placed on the populations when in fact it is the oil companies producing the very product that is trashing the environment? So how is it even possible for the people to make much of a difference? In fact, it is the corporations producing the products that define the culture, that define how we travel. Those are the people who have any, any possibility of changing things. And again, logically, we can break it down. It's fraud. It's lies. It's simply corporations doing whatever the hell they want and then offsetting the problem onto the people. Well, my big question about all of that is we're still using technology that it was virtually invented in the 19, uh, the 19th century. What do you think? They've got to have something better by now, and they just don't want to put it out, right? Well, I mean, we know this is true, and we saw it in the electric cars. I mean, they even put semi-mainstream movies together, like uh, Who Killed the Electric Car or whatever it was, where they showed back in the 80s the technology was so much further. And now, of course, the new electric car comes from the whole fraud SpaceX guy, Elon Musk. So Elon Musk, who's pulling off the SpaceX fraud right now, is in charge or owns, we are told, Tesla, who is like the pinnacle of the electric car. It is all fraud. And people have a problem when you say this, but I'm sorry, man. If you look at an individual and they have acting on their resume, they are in fact an actor, and you better recognize who the hell they are. In Elon Musk's case, he's been on Big Bang. Big Bang is one of the most popular television shows, and that tells you something critical, but he did cameo walk-ons in Marvel movies. People need to wake the hell up. Serious endeavors do not cross over into entertainment. They just don't. And when you look at an individual's resume, like Stephen Hawking or the Hee Haw King or, you know, whoever the hell that actor is, if you look at a resume and acting is on that resume, you need to reshape your opinion and better understand what that means. And what it basically means is this is not an, a serious endeavor. This is not a serious person. This person is an actor. Now, as opposed to NASA being a government organization, 
they seem to be shifting the whole dynamic towards these private organizations. Do you think that's so that there's a better justification to obfuscate what they're doing because it's no longer a, uh, something that the people would have a vested interest in being a government organization? Like, hey, your, your tax dollars aren't going to this. You don't have a right to know. Well, I, I mean, their biggest problem is everything space-related are lies that have to get maintained to the end of time. The moon landing, the description of space, rockets, all of it, in my view, are lies that have to get maintained to the end of time. As long as a government is in charge of that, people could conceivably have recourse to go after people who have lied. When they get it over into private corporations, that ends. Because private corporations don't have to tell people anything. They're trade secrets, they're protected under the laws of corporation, and that kind of road to having some recourse as people who are now understanding we've been lied to all along, that's uh, a much more difficult thing. The minute, the minute NASA goes away and only private corporations are running the show, and this has already always been the aim in my view, corporations are the bane of modern existence. They are the bars to the prison, they are the keys to lies. They are the power behind the throne. They are the drivers of money and everything else that controls our societies. And yet there is this thing called incorporation, which protects them as long as they don't violate the laws of incorporation, which they do anyhow, but it, it seems to make little difference. They are protected from any recourse by the people because, of course, these are trade secrets or these are any number of things that people don't have any right to ask or know about. And what do you think these people have to gain by being involved with this? Obviously, it's not space travel if space is, as a lot of people are conjecturing, very different than the mainstream we've been given. Well, I, I mean, there's so many ways to go at this. At the very base of it, if you're trying to control a population, to simply deny them the ability to understand where they even exist, where they are in the scheme of things, um, think about what that means. And then on top of that, to have a population making decisions and living a lifetime based in error makes it very easy for people who have good information and understand exactly where we are in the scheme of things and make decisions based on good information. The controlling of populations becomes a much easier task, I would submit. And do you think uh, Elon Musk, for example, is kind of in on it with the higher levels of the elite New World Order people, whatever you want to call them. Like, he, he knows what's going on. He's in kind of in on the joke against us. Well, there's a couple ways you can go at this. Um, he's of a bloodline, and he's an actor, and he's playing his role. Or it's also quite possible, as we saw with people like Paul McCartney, how many Elon Musks are there? As a matter of fact, is there even a physical man that is Elon Musk, or is it mostly newsreels where we're presented Elon Musk on video and occasionally where he's got to speak somewhere, a version of him shows up. These are very difficult things to know, but at the base of it, we can know for a fact the man is an actor. Right, so there's a very distinct possibility that the persona he's portraying really isn't anything at all. That's right. It's, it's a bit like the 9-11 thing, um, and, and this gets into you know something we're going to talk about later, I think, uh, with regard to the YouTube people, but uh, the whole idea was put forward. Did planes, if you were standing there on 9-11, would you have seen a plane hit the building? And I think most of the serious researchers, most of the people who have grown up enough and woken up enough understand that the most likely accurate 
assessment of 9-11 is that there was no damn planes anywhere but on video. And it's the numbers game it always is. I tell people all the time rockets are a fraud, and yet there are a few thousand people down where they're launched at any given time who have the ability to see that there is fraud going on. Some of those people will be fooled by the news. Oh, my eyes were wrong, or I wasn't thinking about this right. Clearly, it didn't blow up. These were sonic booms, or they'll change their mind. There are some number of people who will just say, I believe what I'm told. And then there will be a group of people who say, I know for a fact fraud went on, but it's a numbers game. Because the same day that that small few thousand people understand that fraud occurred, hundreds of millions of people will be presented a whole different story on the news. So to pull this back to 9-11, were there planes on that day? And I will submit to you that it was a TV show is the most likely explanation for what happened and that the few hundred on the ground who happened to be looking and saw that no planes hit a bunch of them are going to think, well, I just missed it, or the explosion that occurred is going to overwhelm them, and we're going to be left with a small number of people who were pretty sure no planes were there, and yet the rest of the world was shown the video where there were planes. Which theory do you lean towards as far as 9-11 goes? Because uh, even if there were planes or there weren't, by the laws of physics, jet fuel couldn't have done that. What, what do you think was actually used to bring the buildings down? It was a controlled demolition, and I think anyone who looks at Building 7, where there's actually, you can see the little pop, 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 pop going on uh, as Building 7, you know, completely independent later in the day. Why mm -hmm. is building, building 7? It's just no different. It was a controlled demolition, and I think the explanation that I think has the most merit that I have seen put forward by serious researchers uh, is that it was a controlled demolition and more than anything a television production. Right. I remember thinking that way back then, like in Building 7 is the best example because whether planes hit or not, nothing hit that. That's you right. Know, even if we want to believe that planes were there and some people say yes and some people say no, doesn't matter as far as Building 7 is concerned, nothing hit that. Then nothing was put forward that anything hit it, yet still it collapsed in this perfect way. So obviously something's really wrong there. Well, I mean, we, we also know without doubt what happened on, I think it was the BBC, announcing that the second tower had come down some 20 minutes before it did come down. And I know exactly how this works. When I got out of the Marine Corps for some period of time, I was still so in love with music that I became a roadie. When you become a roadie, your year is broken up. Part of the year you're doing music shows. Back then it was stadium shows or any number of state fairs or wherever the music is happening, that's what you're doing. Part of the year you were doing theater in San Diego, um, theater productions, and part of that you would do like convention center work or you know freelancing out your services wherever you could. To get back to the theater portion, you know exactly how these things go down. There is a stage manager when you're doing a theater production, and he has this play listed out in timed in front of him everyone's on headset there is a producer basically a director a stage manager and everything that's going to be happened is timed in the case of a stage production quite often there's a little light that says it's time for this piece to roll out uh, often there's headsets where you're being directed okay go it's time for you to do this thing now and in any production i was ever part of where i was actually on the stage um, wearing black, because you're not supposed to see what the guys in black are doing. The curtains and the scrims are blocking backstage so that the audience only sees what they're supposed to see. But inevitably, there are errors. And these errors are things like 
stage manager told this set piece to go out, but guess what? The other set pieces weren't quite off stage, or the lights had not come down all the way, or something goes wrong. And this is what we see in 9-11. And uh, during 9-11, on live broadcast news, we assume, maybe it was pre-recorded and put out as live news, uh, 20 minutes too early, they announced a tower had come down. And that cannot be walked away from. That shows the game. Right. I think it was Building 7, that, that it, if I remember correctly. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, was I saying Tower 2? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I haven't watched, uh, I haven't really dealt in 9-11 in a while, because I'll I mean, I made up my mind years ago that obviously that the yeah, actually, official uh, yeah, word was not it. I'm confused now. Now I'm <laughs> lost to whether it was the site. Well, anyhow, whatever the announcement was, it was quite a bit too early. Um, and seemingly people should have had no way to know uh, that any more buildings were coming down. Right. And, and the whole point behind it is that how would this person have known? Like, it's time coded. So they know exactly when this happened. And if I remember correctly, she's standing in front of the green screen and the building's perfectly fine while she's describing this building coming down. So to uh, reference to what you just said about the, the theater work, they got their timing wrong. Somebody That's right. gave the wrong cue and the girl on the screen didn't know. She was just reading off the teleprompter. Well, I can take this a step further. So clearly the stage manager gave a cue at the wrong time. But you see, there's so many more working parts. This happened during the uh, Dorner, Chris Dorner nonsense that happened uh, in Southern California. I was there and I am so beside myself because I had an opportunity to record an actual flat out fail. What happened was we were watching cable news because the Dorner thing was going on. We knew it was false. We actually went out in our cars to see where checkpoints were supposedly placed and we could see that it was staged nonsense. Um, we came home. But at one point on one of the big networks on cable news, and I don't remember whether it was one of the local big networks in San Diego or like CNN, it's been so long now, what happened was the command center was brought up and it was broadcasting. It was on our television and there was a man there saying things like, well, we need to get one of the cameras on one of these things. Can we get to com, com control unit whatever and get them to move the camera and we're going wait a minute why the hell do you got to contact anyone why can't a cameraman just move it um and so then as we watched this went on for about i don't know five six seven eight minutes or something where this guy clearly was not supposed to be broadcasting live and he was at a comm center it was not a person you recognize no local news no national news it was this dark ops comm center conducting the show and when they realized you saw them realized oh my god this is going out live cut the feed cut the feed and i had kicked myself in the butt the whole time i was so kind of mesmerized watching it go down it didn't occur to me to record it but there was a complete fail during the dorner thing and again how many people were watching the news that day with me probably many thousands but still the dorner fraud went out because hundreds of million were shown the proper stage set hmm it sounds like they uh, have streamlined th everything since then because you don't see too many mistakes going on like that anymore. Well, I imagine someone lost their butt that day. Um, oh, I have no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, it, and, it, and it had the feel of of like watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like this clandestine FBI or CIA group 
the control room. That's had had the feel of what it was. But the way he was telling to, to contact this comm or something, could they have a camera slightly repositioned or something, it just all felt very contrived and very stage acted when it should have been, no, man, you pick up your 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 walkie-talkie and you say, hey, cameraman, frame this shot a little bit better. Um, but that's not what was going on because they had part of this going on in San Diego. They had it where supposedly Dorner was going to die. was up in this remote part in the woods of San Diego because, of course, they have to get to the unincorporated areas. Uh, back then, we were noticing a lot of the actual big events were going down in unincorporated areas where the sheriffs were. But the, the whole thing was clearly stage acted, and we got a glimpse behind the curtain. We saw the man behind the curtain for about seven, I don't know, eight minutes. That's interesting. It, uh, we should check out and see if anybody did record that and put it out. It would be an interesting thing to do. And now, you know, I had thought about that a few times. Uh, it was just that I was so beside myself that I had not, you know, tried to record. Even if I just got a camera and pointed it at the TV screen, uh, I could have done these things. Right. So maybe somebody out there did do that all those years ago. Could be, but I would imagine that's suppressed because that was a clear view behind the scrim, behind the blacked out curtains, seeing the people dressed in black that the audience should not be seeing. And just goes to show you that if they're faking that, what else are they faking? Probably but, a whole heck of a lot. See, this is the problem. This is one of the big problems where people start to come to the realization that they have not been told the truth, and then they start cherry-picking it. Well, this is clearly false, but that's okay. Uh, this news lied to me on the 4th, but I can probably watch them safely on the 5th. Um, you see, this is the programming of society where that's not really the way it works, guys. If you know a human being that lies to you, do you go back and trust what a lying human being that always lies to you says on some later occasion? No, you don't. But for some reason, we've all been trained that, well, Sandy Hook was clearly a lie, but the shooting in this town or Ferguson or any number of events, we got to question these all over again. No, 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 no. I can't sit here and say no enough times. At some point, you have to come to the realization that if it comes to you through the national news or any big story, it is false out of the gate and must strive to prove to you there is any value there. And this is not what we see. Well, the other thing everyone's got to remember is that even if it's on your local news, if it's one of the mainstream channels, that's being handed down from the top down that it's the same stories being given to everybody and you're just getting it with a local flavor, you know? It's been Here I got someone with a Cajun accent, but up, up where you're at, it's going to be someone with a northern accent, and, but it's the same story. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's been demonstrated ad, ad nauseum, but uh, the stupid people that refuse to wake up to the reality of where we find ourselves um, are actually as complicit as the liars are. And we know that all news is controlled by a very few corporations, all papers. And a matter of fact, papers, I mean, how, how we can go way the heck back in this country to understand that papers were controlled by very few corporations. But now, all world news. You can go to Al Jazeera. Above that somewhere, there is a corporate entity controlling that 
you know, information. I mean, not too long ago, Conan demonstrated it, um, which is a bit funny to say. Um, but, you know, he put out something and then he went out and recorded something like 20 or 30 newscasts using the exact same talking points to cover the thing that he had planted in the news. And this demonstrates the fraud. <laughs> demonstrates the level of control, that's for sure, that, that how much everything just gets disseminated out it's just ridiculous. Well, it, it proves that they're reading a script. And right. wh what is a script? A script is what's handed to actors and to productions and plays and skits. Um, that's not real reporting. That's not real news. And that is definitive. Well, I'll tell you, even during the uh, protests and everything that are going on here, more people were watching independent people live streaming off of their iPhones than they were watching the news, the official news, just because... Uh, no one cared like they wanted to see what was really going on right and so then the whole question becomes uh you know how much is that being affected you know to this day uh my my 2012 lunar wave footage has 500,000 hits yet there is seemingly no place with an internet connection that's not aware of it um these two things don't jive and so you know i really don't have a good way to know how many people see the information i put out because i'm at the mercy of what google wants to tell me and so when we get to these live events we always have to wonder you know everyone's got a phone in their pocket so these things are getting filmed how about the dallas event that i predicted a few hours before it happened by date um there had to have been people around filming this but where is all that video we just don't see it right now, uh, in regards to the 2012 footage, uh, we're here today recording on the autumnal equinox 2016. Uh, do you feel that uh, tonight would be the night that people could capture a lunar wave? Sure. Um, we had a window. As soon as we got to like the third phase or better of the moon uh, and we were close uh, to the equinox, I think these are the best chances. But... Uh, you know, there's so much we don't know about it. Uh, early early things that I had said still hold water. It's clear that at the equinoxes, we seem to have the best chance. There have been some film near the summer solstice, nothing in the wintertime of import that I'm aware of. People are still out filming it. It's just that if you want to further lunar waves, you got to be one of two things, lucky or dedicating a huge portion of your life to having a camera fixed on the moon whenever you can particularly as we get towards the third phase of the moon. And um, I, I gave up years of my life to put that forward, and I just can't do that anymore. I still go out and film, and people ask, why are I posting? Well, this is why. If I just go out and film occasionally, look what I get. You see what I posted recently, so you can understand what I was doing before, where every damn day, whether I felt like it or not, whether you know I drug that equipment out and I sat there for endless hours, filming the sky. Um, and that's how I was able to post all those things I did. So now it's kind of independent of me. There are a lot of people out there doing it. And I think that's a good thing. So if there is value to this, I assume it will make strides completely free of anything I've said or done. Now, are people still contacting you, sending you information about what they've captured and sending you videos? And if so, like what kind of um, what, what amount are you getting? Um, there has been recently a number of clips claiming lunar waves, and uh, there's been varying validity to what I have seen. Uh, and a lot of them, to be honest, feel just different uh, than what happened in 2012 and the few other key pieces of footage. So 
yeah, it's still going on. People are looking. The great thing is, is that people are getting quality, better quality than you used to see. I mean, when I caught the lunar wave, I was shooting with an eight inch telescope and a 16, I think a 16 megapixel camera. Um, what you see now is people really getting up into the HD and learning and doing their own thing. So the quality has really gone up. But um, the truth is, there's not that many. There are, there are a handful that I'm not even a handful. There are a couple that I'm aware of that film a lot. And I think these are the people that will probably end up capturing the most. Um, truth is, I get contacted. Truth is, some of the footage is interesting. Uh, but I'm just not going to stick my nose into it. I'm going to let it organically develop into whatever it is. I've drawn my conclusions. Right. But everyone's referencing back to your original work, I'm going to assume. Of course. I mean, that, that's, that's where it started. And, and so much happened with that 2012 clip. Uh, if the camera pan, if, if all that went into just how it was caught by accident had not been there, uh, we may not have been able to see the value that we know probably exists in lunar waves. Is your first capture the one that's still standing as the best capture? Yes. Hmm. That's something that's always uh, struck me as interesting because with the amount of uh, consumer-grade gear that's improved over the past five years, uh, I'm waiting for that really good one that someone gets like on a high-end camera, you know? Right, a 4K camera or something. But you've got to realize uh, some of the captures that we found later had been posted since like 2013 and the people just didn't consider that it was anything of value or that it was anything more than an atmosphere type of thing. Um, so there's that. And you've also got to realize most people who are using telescopes are into astronomy. Most people into astronomy are where I was in 1994, uh, studying what NASA is putting forward and the Hubble Space Telescope and all these things that I consider fraud. And so there's that to contend with. So all these probably 90% of people using telescopes still buying in to the nonsense that NASA is pushing. Now, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Is there anything uh, that's ever come up as anomalous with any of the other planetary bodies or stellar bodies that people would be witnessing? Is, or is it always just around the moon? Like, has anything ever been captured that makes, you know, Mars look a little funny or Saturn or anything like that? Well, there was a point when uh, I was filming it turning blue in a weird way, but I finally honestly assessed what I was doing and realized that I am not technical enough with how cameras are put together to definitively say that there isn't something about how the camera is dealing with color here. Um, it happened with a different camera system later on uh, a couple of times too. But here's the issue. When you're filming the moon, you've got this body or whatever it is, this light that is filming the frame of your camera. It's big. When you look at a planet, first of all, if you film without an eyepiece, it's a small little dot on your screen. If you film with an eyepiece, then you've got all this magnification going on. And the truth is very few people sit there for endless hours, night after night, looking at any one thing. And it's probably much easier to look at the moon because it's big, it's bright. Um, there's a chance you could film things flying by. So my guess is they just don't get filmed as much. But from my point of view, um, it's the descriptions of, of any so-called planet are fraud. They've come from an institution who has lied about everything we know of what is called space. What would you conjecture the other planetary bodies are? They're lights. That's what we can know. They are lights, period. 
And if we choose to act like we know something more, we are simply regurgitating what space agencies have told us about these supposed places. And uh, I'm here to tell you, if space truly is water, then how can anything we've been told about these things hold water, to make a pun? Or <laughs> if there is a boundary, uh, as I strongly suspect there is a hard, fast boundary between what we call our atmosphere and what we call space, um, that just adds more problems. I don't accept any orbital-type model uh, put forth by the space agencies in the textbooks we grew up with in school. Don't accept it. Has anyone done any uh, legitimate research, or has there been anything that could lend evidence to there being some sort of barrier between the upper Earth's uh, low orbit area and the rest of space? Well, this is one of the problems that we saw coming from the Flat Earth movement, where people got so kind of voracious, where if you don't believe what we believe, then you're an idiot. Um, you know, you, you got problems, you're asleep, you're not awake, you're all these derisive things. And so we're still kind of at a point where all these researchers who are starting to become aware are still infighting with each other. And it really bothers me. Because, first of all, you don't know how old the person you are is talk you're, you're talking to is. If that person is 50 or 60, they have decades of a lifetime built on what they consider normalcy. And that is going to be a difficult damn thing for anyone to let go of. In other words, a person who's 20 who begins to realize the fraud will have a much easier time of letting go a lifetime of normalcy than someone who is, say, 60. Because they have many more decades to throw out the window of what they considered normal to be. And so we still see so much of this, you know, how can this person who understands all these things are wrong still be telling everyone this thing is right? Um, and yeah, in some cases, it is a real problem that that's being done. But in my view, the bigger problem is that these few people, these very few people who understand the scope and scale of deception within which we live, then become at odds with each other. And there you took, what, five people, and now two or three of them are at odds. What has that done to the overall effort to try to show people the truth? Right, and that's actually what bothers me and why I even brought it up. I'm all for challenging everything. You know, question everything and make your own conclusions based off of the evidence you find. But there's this massive infighting that's completely causing just an insane amount of aggressiveness between uh, multiple people in, in the, the truth movement or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's a serious issue. And I, I seriously wonder if it's being done deliberately, you know, if there's some, some dark hands out there stirring the pot. Of course there is. But at the base of it, the dark hand doesn't even need to show up that much because it demonstrates that even people who have been got reached a point where they can throw out their life preserver, all these things they considered true about our existence, and they've got to a point where they can throw them out. The training of the false system is still there. Um, so independently, that now aware person will jump down another person's throat, proving that the systemic training that we have all been indoctrinated to is existent in a person who has even come to realize the massive scope of fraud. And that is a scary, scary thing. Right. What, did you have a deciding factor? Like, was there something that you had uh, witnessed through your scope or, or pictures you'd taken that finally made you decide, uh, or at least to lean towards space being water or liquid of some sort? Yeah, there, there was a tipping point and it was overwhelming. I, I had come to a point where, you know, I kept remembering this old Kung Fu episode with David Carradine. Um, 
I actually had a dream about it a couple of times as I was wrestling with certain things to do with space. And in the episode, the young monks are brought out and there's like a, a theft or something and they're all asked to report back what they saw and they all report, and I don't remember exactly, something to the effect of, yeah, this, this person went behind a bush and turned into a peacock. Um, and it was a lesson for them not to trust their eyes. In the same way that maybe an illusionist, a magician, would do something forcing our eyes to come to a conclusion that is not valid because an illusion has happened. I always tried to keep that in mind. So for the longest time, I was pretty sure um, that it was likely space was some sort of liquid. A lot of it was based on direct telescopic observation, and I, that wasn't going to be enough for me. What finally became the tipping point was language and encoding in media. And what the actual very last thing I saw that ended up being the, the camel that broke the straw's back, to use an old cliche, was the JFK speech, we're going to the moon, you know, we set sail on this new ocean, and, you know, the ship and, and all this language from the presidential address, that was it. That was when the language had so overwhelmingly demonstrated to me uh, that I was correct, that I made the announcement. Do you think when he, uh, meaning JFK, said, we're going to do this, was this a setup of some sort? Or what do you think was behind all that? Was he just saying it to say it, like to, to put a big challenge out there to get Americans to rally around? What, what do you think someone, you know, back in 1960 would have really been aware of? So we can go at this um, and maybe not get the most satisfying answer, but we can ask questions around this. Why did the Red Hot Chili Peppers say space may be the final frontier, but it was made in a Hollywood basement? If anything we're talking about is true, the Chili Peppers said that and they said it to everybody. We can ask why any number of people have used movies to encode. Why is Back to the Future so heavily encoding the coming 9-11 a decade or two later? Why, uh, you know, why was the movie The Matrix made? Which is a hell of an allegory for where we find ourselves. And I go back and forth on this, but I think part of it is a bit like lesser magic or what's called lesser magic, where you're kind of washing your hands of the responsibility in as much as you've tried to tell the stupid monkeys the truth, but the stupid monkeys are so stupid, they deserve whatever they get because they're so stupid. Um, there's that whole aspect to it. And then there's the simple kind of no nonsense kind of karmic cause and effect angle. You could look at it where... They, in fact, use the language that told you what was going on. It's just unfortunate that your whole life you've been trained in a way not to recognize that. Well, I've heard that said before that, you know, the, the, the elite put all this out there in their mind, thinking that they're absolving themselves of, of the karmic repercussions. But if all you've done is train somebody from ground one with lies, how are they going to possibly know the difference to begin with? And I just don't see how that adds up, you know? Well, use the law of the jungle to add it up then. If there's any validity to the law of the jungle, which, I mean, we know it happens, so whether or not it's valid, we know it happens. If a zebra is at a watering hole and chooses not to pay attention, there's a good chance a lion's going to eat him. Did that zebra deserve to be eaten? Should that zebra have been eaten? Well, when we play that back to the basics that we can understand and look at, we can understand, had the zebra paid better attention, he probably would not have been eaten. So regardless of whether he deserved it, regardless of whether or not it should have happened, we know for a fact, had the zebra paid attention, the lion may not have got him. How is that any different from us watching a television program, this 2D plane projecting a 3D reality, which is 
a farce on the face of it, but yet we as human beings sit there and accept that as true. Are we not a lot like that zebra? Right, and I'm sure that's exactly how the elite view it. I would imagine, and whether that's valid or not is really beside the point. Uh, we can understand that this is what's going on. Right, and I, and I completely agree with that. I think that's exactly how they see it. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's probably a really good analogy, you know, using a word instead of allegory, analogy to compare one thing to another, because in some ways it does feel like the people, whoever they are at the top somewhere, are almost a bit of a different species than we are, and um, much more intelligent in certain ways, lacking in any form of compassion, and probably viewing us a bit like animals. Yeah, I would think so. And their entire worldview would be night and day difference from any any random person you would pick on the street, just because they've been not raised with this completely distorted worldview that they're they're being taught from the ground up how things really are and they and they're knowing these things so they're the entire way that they think is going to be very different than any of us that's right and if we take that average person off the street and we turn the table and we give that person who has very little a lot or everything and we tell that person now you have everything but guess what you're going to have to do everything in your power to hold on to it if you want to continue to have everything now what does that person become? So are we looking at the natural evolution of a human being or are we looking at something different? And for my money, you know, we reached a point where people are different. And sometime around 2009, people started catching on to the game. In the 80s, there were children born that were referred to as indigo children. We see a crap load of them. I have them in my own family. I have a nephew that at age two or three, I bought him a Magna Doodle. The first time I drew a face, I saw the light bulb go off in his mind. I saw him all of a sudden realize that you can make a representation on this thing that I understand to be a human face, and it's amazing. By the time he was age eight, I could no longer keep up with his drawing. By the time he was age 12, he was about at the level of Da Vinci or some of the stuff attributed to Da Vinci. Now... He's as good an artist as I could ever meet anywhere in the world. He can draw anything to a level that is astounding. And this is what we see is in the modern age where so many adults are struggling to wake up. These children are having abilities that are kind of surpassing anything their parents ever got to. And yet we come back to the, the idea. This person on the street who has nothing, you give them everything, you tell them, now the whole world's going to try to get this everything away from you. What are you going to do? So what are they going to do? Are they going to become deceptive, liars, cold, callous, without compassion, just to hold on to everything? And I would submit, yes, there are a group of people that will do that. But I would further submit, as I look at myself, that I would rather be without everything than to live without compassion and the things that I feel are truly valuable in the overall test of this lifetime. You know, it, as far as this whole great deception, um, I saw that they unveiled the Arch of Triumph, which is also part of the Temple of Baal, which is all attributed back to the supposed religion of the elites and Mystery Babylon and all that. And that was open in New York City, in, obviously in plain view of everyone. It, do you feel like this is just like another thing where they're just doing things in plain sight? 
Well, they've always done it in plain sight. There is there is no major public monument you can look at anywhere. Um, and the further you go back, the more likely it has ties to masonry um, because it was built out of stone or any number of ways. But I mean, look at look at how all of New York must have been laid out. Look how all of D.C. is laid out. This is nothing new. It's just that sometimes when we see it happen, it just seems a little more in our faces than it used to be. Either that or we're just all a hell of a lot more aware. And, you know, we, we run into the same problems. To to find the right person to break this down is a difficult thing because we all come from a place of bias. You're a human being. We live in a dual world, a duality system. There is no way for a person who has not reached some amazingly high level to not have bias. And so when we see people that begin to break this down, you know, are we looking at a person who accepts the Bible as true when they break it down? Are we looking at a person who doesn't accept the Bible as true? Are we looking at a person that's of a different world religion? Are they Muslim? Are they Sufi? Are they, you know, Buddhist? What are they? Um, so what is the duality and the kind of bias that's being put in the breakdown that people can go out and seek to try to better understand what is going on. And I would submit to you at the end of the day, you kind of have to do it on your own. You can gather the information from others, but you always have to understand that there is a bias in any information you get. And even when you do it yourself, when I put this show together, I do everything I can to tr try to consciously avoid bias. But the truth is, I have a bias like any other living human being that's down at the paltry levels of existence that I am. Maybe if I was some very high realized master, that would be different. So I would just caution people that when you go to get these breakdowns, I see so often someone sees a clip where, you know, the kind of underside of things is being outed and they walk away saying, well, this is true. This is my new reality. And this is a huge mistake. No, I totally agree with you there. <clears throat> and I would say one of the biggest places that that bias is being played on the most would be uh, every four years with the United States presidential election, because right now we have two just unbelievable candidates and people are, are a lot of people are just going to go, well, that's the Democratic candidate. I have to support them or this is the Republican candidate and I have to support them. It seems like that even though that the people on the surface look ludicrous, it doesn't matter. They're still going to play into that. Well, you know, what's so crazy about this. I saw a South Park a few days ago uh, on purpose. It was one of the things I chose to watch because it had to do with the election and Hillary Clinton was portrayed. Um, what was it? A, a crap sandwich and a, and a douche, <laughs> yes. a douchebag. I think this is this idea has been going on a while in South Park. But anyhow, Hillary was one side and they changed the Trump position to one of the typical characters in South Park. But what that typical character was portraying what we see Trump doing, um, he comes to the realization he has no plan to be president. He was running because he was running. And so now he has to figure out a way to lose. And it's clearly reflecting what we see in Trump. You know, the other day on my YouTube channel, I saw an ad where a Trump came up before one of my videos. And it was the worst picture of Trump you ever seen, this kind of duck face with his goofy two thumbs up. And it instantly struck me that it was purposely being put out there to make people think less of him subconsciously. Because I've been in marketing, and I know for a fact when you are trying to represent a person, you do everything you can to make them look better than they are not worse than they are. And here I was looking at this representation of Trump, clearly making him look worse than he is, which is a difficult thing to do to start with. To make Hillary or Trump look worse than they are, you got to work at that. 
Um, <laughs> and so, you know, here we see the pre-echoing. And I said, you know, I, I, I made the prediction the moment I, I heard Kane was going to be Hillary's running mate, that clearly she was going to be the man. What do you think of all the uh, very obvious news getting out about her health now? Do you think that that is a stage thing or do you think that's true and they just have this Kane guy waiting to kind of pick up the slack should something actually happen to her? Yeah, it's all staged. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, there's people picking up all the green screened videos that have to do with Hillary and demonstrating uh, that these are not shot on a street corner somewhere. And there have been people showing uh, like iPhones filming her and the background in the iPhone is not the background you're being presented with. So it's all staged. And there are little things like this that demonstrate it. There is no portion of politics that is not staged. It has nothing to do with the things you have been told it has to do with. It just doesn't. Politics is one thing. It's a football. It's meant to be punted back and forth to get people excited, to establish teams, us and them, to pit people against each other. And where does a football belong? It belongs on a game field. So that tells you something about politics. If politics was a serious endeavor, it would have nothing to do with games. It would have nothing to do with the seat. It would have nothing to do with staged crises or manufactured news bites or any of that if it was a serious endeavor. Unfortunately, we live in a world where there really are no mainstream serious endeavors that we see. The serious endeavors are the things we don't see, and that is people at the top trying to figure out how the hell they keep control of everything, probably within groups that are at odds at that level, too, I would imagine. But at the base of politics, if you, you know, I have people who come and post all this stuff on my YouTube channel all the time. Oh, the latest Hillary thing. And I finally started writing to them. Don't post this stuff here. I don't consider it as anything but fraud. If it is political, it is nonsense. I don't want the pollution even in my sight. Um, we will get what we get. And this will happen regardless of what any human being does in this country. Unless there was some massive uprising, which I don't see happening at this point. Right. The only thing that's confused me about this uh, election compared to the past ones is, is just how ludicrous the individual characters they put out there just come across. I mean, it just it's gotten to a point that the the, the circus is obvious now. Well, when I was young, uh, the idea of a president was he was above us all. He was elite. He was this or that. And over time, they've turned it into a cartoon. I mean, it really started in earnest with Sarah Palin, didn't it? When you looked at that person, um, it was hard to imagine that someone could be near the highest position who almost, or Bush for that matter, it almost seemed like they couldn't read. And then you would look at ancillary people like uh, Clinton, you know, who, who wasted two years or three years of the country's life suppose, supposedly having uh, received a blowjob in office. These things don't jive with serious. These things don't jive with something that matters, it is a cartoon. That's what it, it, it equivocates. It's equivalent to a cartoon. And people, for some reason, have a hard time letting go of the fact that you have no government. Um, that's all there is to it. There is no government in the United States of America, and there hasn't been probably since at least 1781 or whenever the District of Columbia was incorporated. I think 1776 is when they claim we got our independence and, you know, all the things 
that are associated with the 4th of July. But shortly after that, the District of Columbia was incorporated. And if people can't think in their minds, who does a corporation serve? Well, then they're a bit behind the eight ball. A corporation does not serve groups of people. A corporation serves the corporation. A corporation serves the board of directors. A corporation serves the shareholders. Those are the only things a corporation serves. And guess what? The people of this country do not fall into any of those categories, which means we have never had a government for as long back as we can see. Well, according to a lot of the research people have done, we are employees of that corporation. Well, we're worse. We're chattel. Um, to, to say employee in my mind is, you know, an employee knows he's being employed. We're, <laughs> we're not employees. We don't go punch a clock somewhere understanding that I'm punching in to the corporation called the United States. Um, what we are is chattel. That's what we are. When we were born, there was a straw man corporation set up in our name. Uh, we're being traded as chattel. Anyone who wants to go look up the word chattel can Go see what that unfortunate word means. But that's <laughs> what that's what we are. I've I've looked into that myself, and in fact, when it was easier to uh, look these the the numbers and everything up on the stock market, I actually did it with my social security card, and I found it on uh, the New York Stock Exchange. So you found yourself. Uh, I found that number tied to um, exactly what a lot of the researchers say that they trade us on the open market. Well, right. I, and, and actually, hold on. I, I said that wrong. You did not find yourself, but go ahead. Continue. Right. I found the number, and you can't do this anymore. They, I think too many people figured it out, and they changed the system because I tried it a few years after that, and I couldn't do it again. But Because uh, this is like probably 12, 13 years ago I did this. But I took the number off the back of my Social Security card, just like I saw in a Jordan Maxwell video, and I was very curious. And I followed the procedure where you punch it into um, – I don't – I think it was fidelity.com is the one I used at the time. And I found it. And it was like worth $17 and some odd cents a share. Wow. Um, could you see others around where there was different values? No. The way it works was you're punching in individual um, stock numbers and you're just getting the information based off of what you put in. So it was just that number tied to this stock. And wow. it doesn't tell you a lot of information, but it, what, it, what it did tell me is that there was some massive validity to all this straw man identity stuff. And this is, you know, back when I was really just starting to get into all this. So I was watching as much as I could get my hands on. And I proved it to myself and I showed it to some other people. And I noticed within a few years when I tried it again, they had changed the, the system. So it wasn't easy to get into anymore. And I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I would be very surprised if there aren't people out there who know how to, it seems like a thing that by their own rules couldn't be completely hidden. They could make it very difficult to find, but I don't think it could be completely hidden unless things have gotten much further down the road than I think. But, um, you know, this goes to show a very basic truth about this age of deception we find ourselves in. People have been taught to live devoid of common sense. Like when I talk about a rocket launch, and I say, these rockets are not going to space, people think I'm the crazy person. If you come at this, even using Occam's razor, is it more likely that a human being got in a rocket going 17,500 miles an hour arcing to escape the, the velocity, you know, to get to the velocity needed to escape what we were told is required to get out of here, or is it more likely it arced out and landed in the ocean? Which is the simpler of those two explanations, to use Occam's razor, which I'm loath to do. But it demonstrates that the common sense has been freaking squeezed out of us all. 
Because to go into a courtroom and have a judge or a lawyer pick up a piece of paper and read your name in capital letters and say, is this you? For you to utter the words yes demonstrates that all common sense has left you. That is not you. That is a piece of paper. And you've been taught that that name is you. But when you examine that, even that falls short of common sense. You are not your name. You are a divine human being. Consider if there was a time when Indians roamed this country here in America, the names were told they had. You know, deer running. It was representational of things that they saw around them. That's right. And so when you look at actually how that happened, there's a true relationship of that person to an event when they actually came into being as this round of human being. But then when we pull it back and we look at the names we're given, well, how many Marks do you know? What's the root of Mark? It's the Bible, of course. How many (laughs) Muhammads are in, in Islam? A few billion? I don't know. A lot. And so what we see is there is no individuality to it, which is why I shunned the birth name I was given um, flat out. And that was before I even began to realize that it was being used to trade as chattel. But I'm just pointing out a person who has any vestige of common sense and sees a judge pick up a piece of paper and say, is this you? And you say, yes, well, I, I got news for you. Common sense is not in you any longer. Well, to kind of bookend all of that, I, I would just like to throw out there, and it sounds like you're you're totally with this as well, the whole straw man identity thing and the birth certificate and Social Security, that's all that's all real. That is what they do to us. That's because right. I, I really wasn't sure for a long time, you know, is this just some researcher kind of throwing it out there? Then I put it to the test, and I realized I don't know if all of it that they say is, is accurate, but I proved to myself that at least as far as I'm concerned, I'm being traded on the stock market. Everyone in this country and in many parts of the world is being traded on the stock market. And if anyone doesn't believe it, go ahead and try to have a child and refuse to get a birth certificate and a social security number, which is your right, but try to do it and see what happens next. Um, The truth, well, let's throw aside the truth. And that is a true thing that Jason just said. And there are versions of the details, but that doesn't really matter. You are chattel. It is going on. It has always been going on. And anyone who's forgotten our earlier comment about the United States Corporation needs to backtrack a little bit and understand that this is all part and parcel of the same thing. But let's consider marriage. Why in the hell does anyone need to get a license to be married? I'm a free human being. I don't have to ask anyone's permission to get married. And if I'm religious, maybe I would choose to go to a priest. But how many non-religious people do you know that went to a priest? These are constructs built around the system of control. And you have to file your marriage license. And when I was younger, and many people might be stunned to hear this, you had to get a blood test to get a marriage license to check. I think it was your RH factor. Well, what's that about? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. It's control. Clearly, there is something that can happen when two RHs come together that they want to keep tabs on. And for some amazing reason, we don't have to do that anymore. It was so critical. We were told that, I don't know, the offspring could die or something if your RH factors were incompatible. Some nonsense that we accepted back then when I was young. Um, The truth of it is, you don't have to ask any damn person's permission in this world to get married. You don't. Are you a free person or are you not? 
if you are a free person, who has the authority to tell you you can get married or you can't? The same is true of a car, of course, but we all know what happens if we decide not to get a license for a car. It's going to be a hassle real quick. The truth is there is no requirement under common law for you to license your personal conveyance. It's different if you got a business, then it's a vehicle. But for a personal conveyance, they have no right to impose things like insurance and licensing on you. But we're also indoctrinated into the system. I would imagine most of the people who just heard this are probably thinking that's a bridge too far. Right. And of course, you can fight it. And I, I believe I've heard of people actually winning such cases. Of course. But it's it's a long, hard battle and probably not even worth it in the long run, I, th I think is what it comes down to. Well, that's that's what the system wants you to believe, because every time you get pulled over, the cop who's sitting there saying, why don't you have a license and writing the ticket, who is not enforcing common law and thinks he is, you can see what the system does. It's self-insulating. If everyone in this town I live in today decided, you know what, I don't have to license my damn personal conveyance, something would happen. Probably a lot of new laws would get made within the week. You know, it's a funny thing. All these people were coming to my YouTube channel talking about this herb called Kratom that apparently people who had been issued pain, uh, synthetic opioids for pain and were addicted to them, couldn't get off. There was this plant called Kratom that people were using. I don't know that much about it, um, but it was helping them to get free of the pharmaceutical. Um, and they kept coming and posting, they're trying to outlaw this, they're trying to outlaw this, go, go sign this petition. And I just saw on the web yesterday that Kratom is illegal in all 30 states this month. And I further looked up what people were saying about it. And there were some people out there saying, oh, it'll hurt you, it'll kill you. Um, it's the same mixed bag, but there were a lot of people saying it helped them get free of opiate addiction from pharmaceutical companies. And uh, then I looked into how long it took them to outlaw it, and I began to get a picture. That sounds just like the marijuana thing and everything. If it's something that's extremely beneficial for us and works against the system, of course, it's going to be outlawed. And it's even worse if it's a plant because it's only a matter of time before someone's going to plant it. And then you don't even got to buy it. You just water it. Sure. They don't want anything that we could be self-sufficient on. And that even ties back to the whole uh, automobile thing, how I brought up that that's the same systems we've been using virtually since the 19th century. You know, we're, in, we're totally dependent on, on gasoline when, in fact, I'm quite certain that the technology exists for us to have vehicles that we wouldn't have to be dependent on such a thing. You know, there, there's no doubt. And again, where is the ownness in that model? How in the hell are the people who have but one choice to take their car to a gas station? How do they have any responsibility? Why do they have to modify their whole existence when the truth is the corporation making the gas could change it in a matter of months? But Jason, that brings us a little bit past the top of the first hour. Let's take a quick break here and we'll come back for the second half. Sounds good. 